Hello everyone, welcome to Adoption Adventures. Hope everything is going well for you. Hope your week is starting well. Um, I'm really, really excited because I put out a request to all of our fans um, and all of our listeners. And I put out a request having heard from someone who is just about to go through their own journey um, and they wanted to know more about transracial adoption. I put out a request and asked if there was anyone who had experience of this and I was actually inundated with people that wanted to speak which was amazing um, and I'm going to be booking I imagine probably two interviews because I've got a newly placed family and a family that have been through it for a few years so I'm going to get a couple of perspectives but right now I've got John hello John hi how are you doing you're right I'm good, thank you. Very, very good. Thank you so much for joining us and um, for answering the the call. It's um, it's so important that we have adopters that are prepared to share their story. It's um, it's amazing. So, thank you for giving us the time. Really appreciate it. My right, pleasure. Um, would you like to just tell us a, a a bit about yourself and your sort of your journey so far? Yeah, of course. Um, so you know, it's fantastic that I'm join the podcast it's great that I can try and offer some kind of experience and some knowledge that we've gained during that the process as well so we started our process back in 2019 um, into our assessment and we're a dual heritage couple anyway ourselves mm -hmm. so we've got mixed identity and uh, mixed heritage and journeys through our own lives so we always knew in the back of our heads that we're looking probably for a child or children that were of mixed heritage themselves and we were really open to that to explore other cultures and our support network was part of that so we started that journey through that assessment and the assessment was really open and transparent with it and we really looked at um, the identity of that what kind of child we would like all the other things that come with the assessment process as well that were part of that journey uh, a lot of things was always always being reflective because your own journey and your own, your own life and your own things that you bring to adoption and what's the best uh, match for you. Mm. So we was approved back in, um, took us about nine months, I would say to try and get to um, approval panel. Then we mm -hmm. went into family finding. Um, family finding is really an interesting journey to be in, <laughs> a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, especially for me. And then, I we made it very clear that um, a sibling pair is what we wanted um, nice, yeah. part of this journey uh, because we decided that we didn't want to go through this again. We thought sibling pairs are really needed and it would make our unit all complete. Mm. So we um, started searching for various different things and obviously identity, culture and dual heritage was really um, key for us in our search. So we spent quite a lot of time looking at that and thinking about it and a lot of reading around mm. dual heritage for um, kind of children of dual heritage sometimes lose their identity of who they are and where do they belong and what's part of that. Adding the adoption aspect into it as well is sometimes quite challenging. Mm. Um, so we were then matched um, a few months ago. Well, many over a few months ago, um, <laughs> I would say about eight months ago we were matched um, and then we started transitions and the boys have been home several months now. Um, they are dual heritage of 
um, white British and um, Asian background. And um, that's not the same um, culture and, um, and nationality of myself and my partner. Okay. Um, I'm white British, but my partner has a different nationality. And so we've brought another culture mm. into, our, into our family, which is exciting, amazing, and really, really embedding it into our family, which is so, so... of embrace um so that's where we are now really we are a family of four and we are um starting that journey together um and the the interlock with cultures and identity is just an element of that they're mm. still the kind of kind of seem still the same person they're still the same personalities they've still got the same dynamics it's just another layer that we incorporate into family life really mm. I love that. I, I love, um, I mean, I, I love the entire story there. Um, but I love how sort of you're looking at um, the whole, the whole situation and just embracing it all. Um, I think that's, that's really exciting. That must be quite, um, quite nerve wracking as well, because not only are you going through um, the adoption process, and you'll have all of the standard adoption behaviours, but you're then also, like you say, you, you're looking at identity and and how you can further promote that. Um, I know for a lot of our children, or actually for all of our children, identity is a big, it's a big issue. Um, so making sure that that is um, sort of in place and it's right, it's it's quite it's quite key, isn't it? Um, yeah, I totally I totally agree. Um, mm. And even when the younger and they are a toddler age mm. it's like how much do you want to implement within their um, identity and how do you carry that for them till later on in life so yeah. either gender culture transracial ad adoption mm. for any child that has gone through this journey and it, it on their own journey their identity is really important it's really yeah. important for us as um adopters to understand our identity as well yeah absolutely absolutely so when it comes to sort of looking at identity um i know that when uh little dude moved in with us we sort of looked at how many things in his life were changing um so he'd gone from a foster family where he was one of four children um to now living with us and it was he was on his own um we'd sort of changed from him being in foster care now adoption we had changed from him having um a heterosexual um parent figures to now having same sex um parent figures um and there was there was loads of different things that were changing and we was trying to just find some ways to steady that ship for him and just find as many similarities as possible um and and we just tried to help him to feel like he fit with us as a family first would you say that that was similar to your approach different to your approach with your boys in as much as did you want to get them to identify with their culture first with the family first or did you have something else or was it did you attack it all really yeah i would say the same approach that you've done with little dude 
um, it's all about being connected to our family and creating mm. our family unit, mm. um, not looking at different cultures and different approach. We do look different. Mm. Um, I think where the boys are with their own age and their own development, they're probably not hugely recognize that. Yep. We do talk heavily through uh, story, story time through various different um, family makeups and what that looks like and everyone's different and everyone's allowed to be different so we really look at that quality and diversity aspect to it mm. so we really focused on the family unit first yeah and then think about ways that we can incorporate identity or their dual heritage within it and we have a really open transparent conversation if mm. the conversation comes up yeah we explain to them they do do have different heritage within their mm. within them and where they've come from and where is it and then we keep it very much um low-key very soft and age appropriate for mm. them at that present time yeah um and they have gone a huge amount of journey they've gone from one setting of um, foster carers and other professionals around them into a new setting and then transitioning into something else and mm. other other people that, that they are meeting along the way so yeah. they're like okay who are I now kind mm. of thing so they are questioning going okay I've got two different people looking after me here that wasn't who who they are now I've got new new parents mm. and then I've got new grandparents I've got new people around me so it's huge amounts of change. Yeah. So for us, we didn't really focus heavily on the cultural identity of who they are, because it's about us creating that unit and making our own identity as a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, that's the plan really for us to move forward mm. and do a lot more work around that. And everything with life story work is all linked into it because they'll start to understand their journey when they grow older and understand how the connection of their parents come into mm. um, into their own identity and how that's linked yeah absolutely so within the world of translational adoption um and and we were talking <laughs> talking before we uh, launched about that term transracial adoption and the the connotations that it brings up and um i i guess the fears as well um i i imagine um there's a lot of people out there that as they launch their family they want to celebrate adoption but they don't want it to be every single time you have a conversation it's thrown at you that you it's adoption and these children are not yours not yours you, and particularly in the early days, I imagine that's even harder. Did you find that sort of on the the playground, in the streets, within families, or any networks that people were highlighting those differences more or less? Did did that come up at all? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, I think I think there's an element of people sometimes understand that and embrace that mm -hmm. and see it and don't take any kind of features or uh, connecting physical features from the boys to myself or to my partner. Mm -hmm. um, we were conscious when we were going through that assessment process to think, okay, we've got different features ourselves. Mm. So we want to have an element of them features within the boys, if, the, yeah. if that's possible. 
so if we're looking for the darker features in terms of um, darker hair, uh, different, um, not having um, such a Caucasian uh, skin tone and have a darker skin tone mm. from there or a black skin tone or an Asian uh, skin tone, it's like really key for us to think about how, what, how can we get that connection mm. to give yeah. them a bit of identity in both of us. Um, so when we're out and about or people see, like people make comments and say, oh, wow, they don't have your features. They don't have mm. your hair color. They don't have this. And I kind of just go, I just carry on the conversation and mm. leave it as that. Yeah. I don't make a big deal of it yeah. because the boys are around and they don't have to. I don't have to tell them that journey. And the person that I'm having a conversation with is sometimes a random stranger <laughs> because they just randomly <laughs> talk to you and want to talk to you. And I'm like, that's not your information. Yeah. No, it's not your journey. It's not, it's not my journey. It's their journey. And when they're ready to explain it, they can say it. So it's not my responsibility to say everything. I I, um, I find it fascinating how many strangers feel the need to jump jump on board our journeys and <laughs> yeah 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 and, and I would also say like I've shared like um, a picture of them and with wider network or professional network that we've worked with in the past in assessment process and where we are now um, and they're like oh they look alike mm. and I'm like wow okay. Yeah. So people really judge it in different ways and they're like, oh, they've got the match really, really amazingly well. And it just suits you from there. Mm. So that's really positive at the same yeah. time. So I think you get a mixture of both between do they physically look like us? Do they need to? And also um, other people recognize that they do have some kind of similarities mm. in terms of features wise. Yeah. Um, but from a nurturing and personality point of view and approach in life they share quite a lot of similarities to us mm. in terms of i see the um the personality the values how they approach things and i can really see a um a clear um personality approach to life yeah and personality that you see yeah. um and i think that will probably develop and blossom over the years that we've mm. as we grow as a family yeah I I think um, we certainly saw that in Little Dude. Um, it, it was it started off with little like nuances. There would just be certain behaviours, and you go, "That's very dad. That is that's not me, and that wasn't you six months ago. That's dad." Um, and it's it's adorable because I I often. I often say that human behavior is very chameleon-like. I think that we mold to our surroundings and we we make ourselves fit. Um, and if we look on and go, actually, this kind of feels good, I'm going to mold myself into it. I think our children do the same. And I think when they're searching for their identity, I think exactly like what you've just said, They'll move to your personality traits first, your ethos, your approach to life first. And I think the rest kind of just falls into place. And essentially, I think that's how families are formed. Um, I think you know, birth, birth families, adoptive families, doesn't matter how you become a family. I think it's when you start seeing the personalities growing that for me was when it started to tick in place going, this match works this is a this this is going right um and it kind of detracts from those fears doesn't it 
Mm. I think, yeah, totally. I mm. think you don't, when you get into the unit of a family on paper, when you look at the identity of a potential match for you, you have a lot of maybe warriors concerns going, can I meet that need? Can I do, can I support them with their identity? But as a person, that's just part, tiny part of our identity and the embed into your family and understand that. And then you embrace that as a family mm. because that's who you are now and you're a new unit and you're a new identity and people, mm. people recognize that. Yeah. So I think sometimes when the scary part of it, when you're initially thinking about transracial, which I know we've talked about this discussion before going on, uh, uh, I don't like using terminology transracial. I think it's interracial because you bring in cultures all together. But there is an element of language now within the adoption process that sometimes may be outdated and not so softer mm. and diverse within it. Um, yeah. So the element of transracial in culture culture is obviously really open and embedding the culture but this is obviously a link to religion connected mm. to that as well because the world has many many different obviously faiths and religions we have no faith that we practice and um follow mm -hmm. so we were very much open to that due to the boys heritage or part heritage mm -hmm. they do have a religious aspect to that which they don't practice Mm -hmm. but they need to understand that as their identity as well moving forward yeah and when you look at that on paper sometimes that faith or understanding may have its own values and understandings of the world that may not always work with their own practice and their own life and people around them mm. yeah so is how you manage um that link between both um culture yeah absolutely it's 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 how you're sort of able to find the links isn't it we had a, a couple of technical difficulties there um one or uh, one or both of us may have sounded like a Dalek for a moment, um, but, but John was um, talking about um, linking culture and religion um, and how that can sort of work within your family. So, John, did you want to just pick up from from where we were there? Yeah, great. So, I was just briefly talking about how interracial adoption um, can sometimes have a link with religion and culture and faith. So a lot of people sometimes are quite um, worried or have concerns to think, how can I meet that cultural mm. uh, or religious or faith um, heritage if, I'm, if I don't practice that myself or that's not part of who I am in terms of um, my identity or know that knowledge or information of it. Mm. I think that worry sometimes, you don't need to have all the information straight away. Yeah, you're a journey, you're a family, you learn together. Mm. And that's one thing that we started to understand is, is that we didn't need to know all of it. The yeah. boys will learn and grow themselves and we will learn with them. But yeah. part of our role as adopters and for them to embrace their identity is to 
give as much knowledge, exposure to that culture, mm. embrace them, lighter touches of the culture and that faith if they want to follow it till they make that choice mm. later on to understand their identity. Yeah. So one thing that I would say to all the listeners out there, if you are thinking of transracial adoption as, oh, how do I manage that? It's about a learning process together. Mm. And it's not, you don't need to have all the knowledge. You don't need to understand that. Yeah. Use your support network. Our, our support network was so diverse. Yeah. And we really leaned on our support network to go, how do I how do I put this into our context? How do mm. I promote that in our particular family setting? Because our yeah. family setting may not always meet the values of that particular faith. Mm. And that's not a barrier. That's just in how you interpret it. Absolutely. See, I, I think um, I think it's a positive within transracial adoption, but I think it's a, a step that's missed within all other placements. Within transracial adoption, exactly this, the culture, religion, faith, and things like that, you think about this and you try to do as much as you can to kind of introduce that into your your family's life. So as you're exposing to different different thought processes. And that happens a lot within transracial adoption. In fact, I think it's really heavily promoted. What I think the gap is, is why isn't this happening in all placements you know when little dude moved in with us both dad and i we are um atheists so we we don't follow a, a faith or a religion um but the school that we sent little dude to was a church of england school so we knew that he would be heavily promoting that religion and he would be within that world so we agreed that i would adopt the approach that I was also C of E and that dad would approach the adopt that he was atheist. So that way, when little dude would talk about it, he could hear two different perspectives and he could understand how someone could believe and someone could not believe. And we'd have those debates. We then started to engage him with different religions, different faiths, different beliefs. Mm. I don't know if he still does, but he he moved on we exposed him to a number of different faiths and he found the the greek mythology um and fell in love with greek greek mythology and greek history but for many years that's how he would have identified with his religion if someone asked him about his religion he would have said that he followed the book of homer i think exactly that i think we we shouldn't just do this in transracial adoption. We should do it with every adoption. Exposure to all faiths, all beliefs, all cultures. That's a beautiful thing, right? That's that's an incredible thing to be able to do. You're, you're in yourself, you and your partner, you're learning from each other's culture. Now your children are bringing in a brand new culture that you're going to learn about. One... I'm, I'm talking about a, a hypothetical utopia, but surely this is how we break the barriers of racism, right? Yep. We, we learn. <laughs> it's, it's about learning, being open um, mm. with it. 
and embracing the culture. As I said, we've traveled quite a lot before we started the adoption process and gone into our family. So we saw so many different cultures around the world mm. and understand that and then really embraced it. And when you embrace different cultures, you understand the terminology, you understand how they work and it's really mm. fascinating. So bringing multicultural aspect um, into faith, into environment of home, outside home, I think we make our our children really rounded mm. as individuals. And I think that's part of us as adopters or as a parent to give them the best opportunity to see that the world is a diverse place. Yeah. And we are going to meet different people um, that are different and um, approach the world in a different way. Yeah. So it's really essential for us to kind of keep that culture and keep that alive. And mm. it does it does take us to have really interesting conversations and I'm really interested when the boys grow older, when they start to understand a bit more mm. is that them conversations are really going to be real in our household. Yeah. It is all about racism, identity. I, why, if I look like this, people's going to think this, how mm. am I going to be looked at? So yeah. having that, identity within the household will allow us to have them conversations and them conversations i'm sure happens in every single household of family mm. but having as such a diverse community around us where we are based is allowing them to go i do belong here mm. i do have an identity i do have people that are like me yeah. and seeing people that are like them or that are different and a different makeup is making them feel so much more connected to who they are in their own mm. their own journey and empower them to be who they want to be yeah definitely i think that's amazing i think um and i think all that that's ever going to do is create stronger individuals and and a stronger sort of children um and you know you're you're raising adults to go out into the world in a, in a much stronger place which is incredible um i'd like to ask um a, perhaps a tricky question if it is a tricky question and you don't want to go please feel free to, to say no but i'd like to talk about racism um and i'd like to talk about if you have i know that you're quite early days but if you've experienced it or if that is a fear of yours it's not something in my life I've ever experienced. I've, I have experienced homophobia, but that's a very different experience. And I just wondered if that's a, a topic that you'd be okay sort of talking about. Yeah, um, I think it's really essential that we do talk about racism mm. and talk about people that may not look the traditional norm mm. or what people think that we should look like. And we'll use that as a negative or something to be highlighted mm. um, and use it as a negative towards that person. So mm. I think it's really essential that we do raise it. And I'm happy to do that. As a parent, you always have the fears, don't you? You always yeah. have the fears of going, okay, how's my child going to manage this? What's that going to happen? You can't protect them from the world around them. You can't wrap them in bubble wrap. You've got to give them resi resilience. You've got to help them build to understand mm. who they are as a person and help them stand up for themselves. Yeah. Um, and when you're in a transracial adoption 
and you've got them understanding who they are and then they've got the world asking them various different questions of like oh okay you're adopted where's this where's that yeah and then adding that on top of it is that they may not look um as white british Mm. but have various different identities within them i think you always got that worried that how are they going to handle that Mm. and i I don't think you can stamp that out but if you can really empower them to challenge that and call that out and be proud of who they are that will make them stronger Mm. as a person and allow them to do it and you will always have that um conversation with them and you'll always have that fear and that worry all the way through as as they grow and you look at society and racism within organizations within structures as as a black male Mm. within sometimes in society is seen as something else Mm. if you are an asian um asian descent or an Asian ethnicity, you're, you're targeted or labelled as something mm. when that's not your identity, yeah, um, or that's not who you are, but you're placed within that con that context of it. And yeah, I do have that worry. I do go and okay, how they're going to hold that conversation, but you you just have to emphasise with it, have empathy for it, even if you're not that um, ethnicity or culture yourself. Mm but understand that recognize that challenge for them and help them prepare for it yeah and as i said from an education point of view for me as an uh, adopter as a parent it's me to carry that for them Mm. as long as i can till they are ready to accept that and understand who they are yeah um and let them embrace it absolutely and again i i i applaud you for that approach i think that that is exactly how we'd want it approached um and it's it's the same as any part of their identity you you carry that for your children for as long as you can you protect them as much as you can but mostly it's about arming them arming them with knowledge and empowering them to actually challenge themselves and say okay why are we talking about that why is that important um i um i i had a conversation with an adopter probably going back probably a year or two ago when we were talking about trans transracial adoption and i said um on one of my episodes that hey i actually think that bane children are waiting longer that's not acceptable in my opinion we need more people that are prepared to adopt these children and why can't we look at transracial adoption it needs to be considered an adopter got in touch with me and challenged that thinking and said um if you have uh let's just say a a black child adopted by two white parents those white parents have never experienced their culture their identity they've never experienced um what life could be like within racism um so how do you expect them to be good enough parents for that child i consider this a fair question but i did throw it back and say but if I haven't got uh, a, a perfect match, then is the better solution to let this child go unadopted? Or is it that we educate 
these white parents on how to adopt a black child. So we kind of did this back and forth. That I think can sometimes be a fear for prospective adopters looking, going, if I take on this child, would someone within that child's culture feel that I wasn't a good enough parent for them? Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think you have that natural fear and that's mm. part of the journey of it. I think when you see the match and you get to know that match and you think they're my children, mm. it's the right match. So you get that, that feeling within you and you see that barriers and you think, oh, okay, ethnicity may be not the right, um, it might be interracial, it might be transracial adoption, but you have that natural ability. And as I said at the start of the podcast, we were looking for that dual heritage aspect to it mm. because obviously we're dual heritage couple and we wanting to add that diversity and keep that diversity within our family and have a bit of connection between both of us. The, the obviously transracial adoption, if you look at the far extreme of that, as an example, you just said, a white couple adopting a black child so can sometimes come as quite stark process i would say they do wait longer and i don't like the term but hard to place mm. um with the bane or sibling groups or older children they find it really hard and they wait longer for their family if you can give them the exposure to that culture maybe not from yourself but maybe from a wider support network if you understand that culture, you might be within that culture, but you don't identify that between yourself, but you have uh, through uh, culture, through food, through art, through various different things, they can get that exposure to it. Mm. And we talked about racism just a second and like, yes, you might not have experienced racism yourself, but you can call on other people that could have that conversation with them as they grow to go, I know who, what it's like because mm. of this, this, and this. And there's so many support out there for you. Yeah. To really embrace that, there's yeah. many organisations that can help you, guide you mm. in them conversations if you don't think it's right for you at that present time. You don't have to be in that environment within the home environment to have that conversation. And I think from a transracial point of view, skin colour and skin tone isn't all about. Mm. um feelings because we all are discriminated some way yes in our lives exactly we have the same feeling and the same undercurrent that we do when we are discriminated mm. i uh it, it's great to hear you say it like that and to to hear your perspective because that that was very much my sort of viewpoint there are going to be things that happen for little dude that i've never experienced it doesn't mean that i can't parent him um and there will be parts of his background his history that i won't have any knowledge of but my job as a parent is to reach out and find that support and i, I think exactly what you just said there you know you might not have the answer to that you might not have experienced that but so what if you're a family you're going to learn together and you're going to grow together and and work as a unit to overcome those adversities whatever they may be um because it might be that it's nothing to do with race religion culture it might be something completely different might it yeah and i think culture 
you can embed culture within your lifestyle mm. through various different mediums, mm. incorporating things and in, embed it into your family life. And they will think that is the norm of, of your life as they grow and develop as people. So yeah. it's not going to be huge change to it. And you don't have to change for it. They're embracing your culture that you come into you as a person and taking on your mannerisms and your approach to life because they see that and you are leading by example. Mm. But you're also embedding in, I would say, as an adopter that is looking at transracial adoption or interracial adoption is you're responsible to keep that identity going for them mm. and how you can embed that in. So things that we have done early early days and we're only a few months in so it mm -hmm. is still early days for us so we don't really really hype onto it around the dual identity we obviously highlight that to them but when we play music and we love music in our household is that we have multi-ethnic music mm. so we have various different music around the world and we highlight different kind of music. So it's traditional music from there and just having a playlist of that in there. They mm. incorporate that within their journey. Yeah. Um, food, we experiment with food. Yeah. And incorporate that and look at different, di different dishes from there. Festivals, we have various different festivals throughout the year, various different cultures, different celebrations. We incorporate that all into family life. Mm. I think we have festivals all the time and celebrations, but we kind of highlight that and say, we follow these part of it as a family, as a unit. Mm. One, it creates that diversity and that knowledge to understand the various different people in that. And when they grow older, they understand, okay, yeah, that's what, um, I can follow that. I understand that. I understand the terminologies of that and why mm. we do it. Yeah. So having that part of culture embedded into your day-to-day -day life is really key mm. and another adopter give me that was um, several years in transracial adoption is think about your literature that you mm -hmm. have in think about the books that you're reading mm. try and identify maybe certain characters that maybe represent them understanding their journey so then they can use that as a younger age mm. so using that is really really key for us and we use that and they recognize that which is really empowering for them to think oh yeah i can be there mm. um and something that we really want like to do, probably not straight away, but in the future, is really highlight them role models. Mm. Them role models that may have yeah. been gone through adoption themselves, that may not be of Caucasian background. Yeah. But highlighting to them that people are successful, people are them, this is your journey, that's what they did, they're part of that, and look what they've done here. So mm. really promoting them characters them strong role models that they might look up to see that has the same identity as them and understand what they could be in the future is going to give them hope and aspiration to kind of move forward Absolutely. Um, and be who they want to be mm. um so as i said it's very much for us embedding that in into our daily culture and keeping that identity strong until mm. they start to understand it themselves and they want to explore it themselves and their various different hobbies and journeys. And the last thing I did want to mention as well, because um, I'm just conscious, keep on talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a big topic, is around language. Mm. From a cultural point of view, they they have various different languages. We speak yep. different languages within our, with our, within our home. Mm -hmm. um, so we 
they experience different languages, not just um, English. Okay. But from their language point of view, they have a native tongue. They have their own language that part of their heritage has come from. Mm. And I'm really passionate for me to learn some of that language. Yeah, that's for awesome. Them. So me taking time for them to understand some basic terminologies of their native tongue or their dual heritage to understand this is part of me. I can use some of that terminology if I want to or not want to. Yeah. And then as they grow older and start to understand their identity, they want to learn that um, their language of their dual heritage. Then, of course, they can go outside of the natural curriculum and learn that language to understand okay, this is where I'm from mm. and feel more embedded into that culture if they ever want to visit. And then visiting countries that are safe to do with your yeah. biracial, sometimes families may be not safe to uh, travel to that country. And if it is or nearby countries that has the same kind of ethos, smells, identity for them to think, okay, this is where I've kind of come from part of the world. Yeah, um, yeah traveling for them to kind of see it is is really key as well yeah absolutely and I, I think um i think it sounds beautiful honestly i think um i think the way that you're embracing life in general but culture and and your children's identity i think i think they've got a, a really good grounding there to sort of find that identity quickly and safely um and to to learn from that i think I think it'd be wonderful if more adopters approached it in the same way, um, regardless of a culture, to actually embrace all of these different things. I mean, the festivals, the food and the experiences and the language, that sounds amazing. What a great opportunity for children to, to explore the world as a family. I think it's, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, sounds like you've, you've definitely made a, a cracking start. Um, yeah. As I said, we're very much early days and we don't know what obviously the future will hold for us and how we will work through as a family, but we will go through step by step together and yeah. learn together. And yeah. as I said to um, your listeners earlier, you don't need to have all the answers. You yeah. learn, you learn with them. And Absolutely. You just embrace that. If you're really happy to embrace it, enjoy it and be part of that. And I think as you're, you're matched and understand your child or your new children then you really want to onboard on board that anyway because that's mm. part of them and you're part of you and you want to be that unit do you naturally will do that when you find that connection you find that right match um and i did i have a huge amounts of knowledge of my children's um background and culture no but i was actively searching and embedding myself as much as I can within that culture to really understand it. And mm. I'll keep on doing that for them. And they'll probably teach me some things eventually <laughs> about where we are, yeah. what the world is. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think that's really key for it is to take one of them barriers away is you don't have to know everything straight away. Mm. And from a, a matching point of view with family finders, they also recognize that as well. Yeah. I think that is the perfect way to sum up our conversation. Um, brings us to a perfect, perfect close there. Um, like I said, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing your journey. Um, it's, it's really incredible to hear. And I think that the way that you're embracing 
um, this sort of approach is is fantastic. So thank you so much. And uh, on behalf of all of the listeners, you know, a huge thank you for, for sharing your story. Um, so yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. It's been really, really interesting chatting to John and, uh, and hearing about his story. Hope you've enjoyed it. Obviously, you can reach out to us and um, you can ask any other questions and I can get them over to John to answer. Um, but until then, thank you so much for listening. and I'll catch up with you next week. <laughs> <laughs>